Now, we're going to have a look at God's Word. Over the last week or two, we've been looking at a short series called God Word, and that's to capture some language that we're starting to use in church. We want to just use this phrase, God Word, to help us think about being intentional and conscious that we are focused on God. It's not to say that we don't do that, but we just want to pick up on the reality that Scripture itself calls us to have every aspect of our being, not just our thinking, not just our doctrine, but our affections and our deep desires orientated towards God. Now, last week we saw that um, we are made in our very being to be God word, to be directed towards him, to face him, that when we have our posture towards him, that's when we feel most satisfied That's where we will find all of our desires fulfilled because we are made for God. The sad thing is is that we go and run in all sorts of different directions for satisfaction and we're just left dissatisfied. But when we recognise that God is the source of absolutely everything, we again discover that satisfaction. Now, of course, the Bible tells us that we would never turn back towards God and rediscover that on our own. It takes the gospel. God has to deal with our sin and the evil in the world, which he does on the cross, and he restores us back by his spirit to a heart that actually seeks God, so that when we find ourselves full of gratitude and adoration, that comes from the spirit of God because of his work in the gospel. Now today, I want to look at an aspect of being spiritual. So Recognising that we are only spiritual, we are only orientated towards God because of God's spirit. That's what we mean by spiritual. It is God's spirit moving in us. Yet, it's interesting when we go into scripture, we see that scripture says that the way the spirit will grow us in more Godwardness and godliness is to cause us to be far more self-aware of how we are postured, and to work hard. We have this grace-enabled energy by the Spirit to work hard at cultivating our own hearts. Now, to that end, thinking about that particular dynamic, we're going to have a, a little look at a prayer that comes from David in Psalm 27. I've invited Nick Botton to read that for us, and with all our readers today, I've asked them to share just at the front end of the video a little bit of gratitude that they've experienced from God this week. Um, let's open up Psalm 27 and I'll, um, I'll read for us. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, My heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. 
I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Hope to see you soon, church. Now, today, I want to look at um, a couple of things from this prayer from uh, David in Psalm 27, and then Lois and I will have a a good chat together about um, some ways that we can cultivate um, this kind of posture. Now, the first thing that I want us to notice is, um, well, first of all, I'm not going to go through the whole psalm, but we did pick up that David is clearly praying in a context where he recognises that there's um, some evil, there's forces against him. And we know from David's life that was true. We also know that he struggled personally with sin. And it's in this broad context that he prays this prayer. And if you come with me to verse 4, we see that the, the prayer involves one thing that he desires. He states one thing that he desires and then he asks for two things. So he states one thing that he desires and he asks for two things. Verse 4, he says that the one thing that he desires is to seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David's desire is to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, The Lord in the Old Testament dwelt in the tabernacle, and that's David's desire. He wants to be where God is. He wants to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. It's a wonderful phrase. His desire is to be in the presence of the Lord, to see him, to be able to gaze on him. And that language of beauty even captures what we've been talking about, that in seeing God, experiencing God, being in his presence, we enjoy. David knows that to be in the presence of the Lord would be to enjoy his beauty. And we know that when we go back into the Old Testament and it talks about the tabernacle being described and built, it's built with all these beautiful elements from creation, gold and wonderful gems and stones, the best elements produce this tabernacle and it's in that beautiful spot that the glory of the Lord dwells. So that's the one thing that David desires, to seek the Lord and to be in his presence. Now, in this prayer, he asks for two things. The first thing that he asks for is that his desire will actually be fulfilled. So again, in verse 4, I ask from the Lord that what I seek comes about, that the Lord will actually allow him into his presence. And of course, the whole imagery of the tabernacle is about God's invitation for sinners to find atonement and be allowed into his presence. And ultimately... We see that in Jesus. When I'm reading through this psalm, I recall Jesus' words on his last night. We see them in John 14, 
where he assures his disciples and to us to not worry and fear all the evil and the oppression in the world. And Jesus assures us because he goes to prepare a place, his father's house, where there's many, many rooms. One of the disciples in John 14 says, well, can you show us the father? And Jesus assures him, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. God's work of the gospel is that we would be in his presence. And we know that that will come. But also right now, God's presence by his spirit doesn't dwell in a physical temple. He dwells in our very lives. So that's the first thing that David asks for, that his desire to be in God's presence is actually fulfilled, that God will bring that about. The second thing that we see that David asks for comes in verse 7 and 8 onwards. Hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. David recognises that in his heart, he is hearing the call from God to seek God. He recognises that this, this desire, this motivation and will only comes about because God first moves in his life. And it's like David is kind of sitting back for a moment, observing that his heart has this phenomena that is taking place where his heart is desiring God and that only comes about because of God's word and call upon his life. And so as he sees that his heart is made and desires to seek God's face, his prayer is that he will seek God's face. Um, He says, I will respond, I will seek your face. So David's prayer is one, that he will actually get the desires of his heart, but secondly, that his heart will continue to desire to seek God's face. And so what we see in this psalm, as David prays, is this spiritual dynamic that the New Testament will go on to talk about and that is we desire God but that desire only comes about from God first moving upon our lives but God moves upon our lives in a way that it's not just a zap and we're um, 100% desiring God all the time but he moves in our lives in a way that he wants us to as real people become aware that we desire God and want more of that and to go about practices and rhythms and habits that foster desiring God. That's how God's spirit works. So as we think about being more Godward here in church life, we want to recognise that the Bible calls us to work hard at cultivating our hearts, all the time recognising that the, the very effort that comes, the very will to do that in the first place is triggered by God's spirit and enabled throughout by God's spirit. I've got a couple of other kids from our church family to read a a string of New Testament passages that pick up on this same spiritual dynamic. So we'll cut to them and have a listen to those words from the New Testament. Hi church family, this week I was walking our dog Milo and I looked around at God's beautiful creation and was so thankful that I got to experience it. Now I'm going to read from Philippians 2, 12 to 13. 
Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Hi, my name's Brianna, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Hello everybody, I'm Jesse Milligan. Today I'm going to be reading the Bible for you today. We're going to be reading from Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Thanks very much to those guys, um, Bella, uh, Brianna and Jesse, reading the Bible passages for us. What we see in those passages is a, a, just a sampling of this same dynamic that's right throughout the Bible, that God works in us in such a way that he wants us to be observant of our own hearts and cultivate Godwardness towards him. And so I was wondering, it'd be helpful now if we talked about well, what are the things that we can practically do to put ourselves before the channels of God's grace. Um, in, the, in the Bible, again, it kind of highlights three things that are the main ones. That is stopping and listening to God's word, and we saw that in the psalm as well. Praying and gathering where God says his presence is. So are you happy to have a little chat with me yeah, absolutely. about this? Because I reckon... Um, it's hard to do at one level. We, we recognise that we have been spiritually turned on to desire God to, to chase after him, and that only happens by God's spirit. But at the same time, he wants us to, be, to work hard at it, and we notice that it's hard. In your view, what, what makes it hard to pursue God? Well, we are so busy these days and, um, and in lockdown it's possibly even worse because the children don't go off to school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're not, at this week they're not going to be going to school. Uh, in the school holidays, if you've got small children around, um, it, it is difficult. And uh, I think it's too easy now. You know, you can just pick up your phone and, and uh, you know play your favourite game or you can, um, you know, check your Facebook or check mm. the news and or you can turn on the Netflix. And I think that there are so many other distractions that um, perhaps in years ago we didn't have quite as many. But mind you, your mind can always come up with some excuses about, mm. oh, I don't need to read the Bible right now. I've mm. got other things to do. Mm. Well, here's, here's the thing, as you say that... Um, Definitely we have responsibilities in life and lots of them and that can create busyness. But you, you wonder what's wrong if we, if we are running around with the mantra, mantra of I'm, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm too busy to the point that we, we find we don't have time to get before God's word and pray. What, what might be going on there? Well, it's possible that uh, there's sin in the way. There, there could be something, uh, you may have a guilty conscience about something that you know and you're thinking perhaps God doesn't want to hear from me right now. Um, I've got to deal with that, but I'll deal with it later. Um, sometimes it can be just 
that we get caught up in life and uh, we miss those promptings of the Holy Spirit to um, look at um, the Word and, and do that. And, and if you're absent from people who encourage you to uh, keep up your Bible reading, uh, then if that, and that, that's where you come into the whole thing of the gathering and growth groups come into this as well. Um, uh, that's where you've got a group of people around you who are encouraging you and the Bible talks about spurring you on um, uh, with that group of people around you. So I think that, yeah, lots of things are happening in people's lives. I'm going to offer a thought, and this is just my evaluation, and it's also coming from a bit of where I've sensed myself at lately, is that we do live in a culture that kind of, kind of wears busyness like a badge of honour. I'm busy. And that, that means you, you mean something, that you, you, you've got some self-worth. And so I reckon it's really worth us teasing out. If we, are, if we look at our lives and we're called to cultivate a posture towards God, but we don't have, we're not creating real space where we are listening attentively to God's word and wanting to commune with him because we are busy, mm. that, might, that might suggest that we, we are for the moment desiring some other things. And I think that standing back every now and again, I think that sometimes having a holiday is good for that. You step back and you go, well, I'm so busy the rest of the time and you look and you can sort of do an overview and say, well, what are those things that I am creating busyness in my life and why am I creating that busyness? Uh, is it, as you say, for self-worth or is it just because um, we just there's things that give us a bit of a buzz so we want to do those things? Uh, and I think that taking st- stepping back and taking stock of why am I so busy? Uh, look, seriously, if you've got small children... You busy is just the name of the game. It's like, but they do go to bed and they do sleep. And so, what do you do in that time? And I think sometimes it's what do I do with my downtime, which we all have some of. What do we do in that downtime that really is a bit of a litmus test of uh, how am I turning my heart towards God? And that's helpful because we want to be clear that. Uh, we do have many responsibilities as followers of Christ and we want to prove faithful in those. I guess my challenge is that um, every, every culture has its own set of values and we need to look at our culture and ask, well, what are the, what are the values that might be leaking into us? And I do feel that busyness in, in a sense, that you're just called to be busy and pack life with... Lots of different things. The other thing I reckon is, um, and it might be a product of all the technology in our life, we're hyper-distracted. Oh, absolutely. So that's another cultural thing to deal with as we think about how do I create space in my life and habits in order to be listening to God's word is to reckon with the fact that we are distracted. And and we have. uh, I mean, there are some of us... uh, in the room, possibly, and certainly watching online, who remember the days where you watched the first episode of your favourite show and then you waited till next Tuesday night to watch the second episode of your favourite show. Um, Whereas now we sit down and we can watch ten episodes in a day if we want. Mm. You know, everything's available. And um, as as much as we love some of those things, and I do too, I, I love binging on Netflix but I have to, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a call for me as well to say, well, how much of that time 
is time that I'm just entertaining myself mm. uh, and not just uh, time that I could perhaps be setting aside um, to worship God. Mm. Yeah. And to, again, to be clear, I'm not pouring cold no. water on technology. That's another one of no. God's great gifts. But it's worth asking the question, in what way does the technology shape us? I know for me, um, I, I love having my Bible on my phone because that's super handy at certain times. You might turn up in a context where you don't have your paper Bible yep. and say so it's on your phone. Or maybe on the bus it's a bit easier. But that said, I've recognised that when I read the Bible on my phone, it's a a lot more impoverished because that is a distraction device. You'll be halfway through reading something and notifications come up or text messages. Um, Even the fact that we're doing live stream today, we're thankful for the technology, but we recognise that to go out on YouTube, you've got banners and ads and other things screaming for attention. Mm. And so I, I have now made it more of a discipline to have regular time in God's word where I just use a paper Bible yeah. because it's got no flashy ads in it. What and, are some of the things you do? And notifications. Uh, absolutely. Um, some of the things I do, and one of the things, um, I mean, I've turned off notifications this morning because I was sitting here. I wanted to show you something on here and I, the notifications were coming through and I'm going, no, no, I don't need those. I've just turned them off. Um, one of the things that you can do, uh, going back to your electronic Bible and recognising that for some people reading is not an easy thing. Um, some people would have never read a whole book in their lives and, and we sort of say, we well, should be reading the Bible and they go, but it's got big words in it and it's got things that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And um, so Psalm 27 on the app that I have, which is called Takata, which I think is a free app. I don't recall paying money for it. Um, you can actually have the Bible read to you and you can decide if you want a male or a female voice, if you want an English or an American accent. So even just for um, Psalm 27... Um, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Now, you can tell that I've chosen a female voice and now I can't turn it off. <laughs> Technology. Um, yes. Wow, that really isn't The other yet. thing is that it actually highlights the, the verse as it reads it. Mm-hmm. So if you have difficulty reading, uh, you can have it read to you and it highlights the verse as you go through. And so I think there's things that you can do, uh, even with the electronics. Um, I'm finding um, that with the paper Bible now, especially my favourite one, the print's too small. Okay. I need a real bright light, and uh, yes, and, and so it's a bit harder to pinch zoom on a paper Bible. Correct, hmm. correct. But there are ways that you can um, make that um, that that Bible available to you, hmm. um, and we use David Suchet on electronic yes. Bible in our home group. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, he reads the Bible in a beautiful dulcet tone. Yeah. So we've got some wonderful things with technology that. You know, really, there's no excuse for people of our generation and our culture to be hearing God's word. But let us, let us even this week, try and, especially as the lockdown gives us more space to review life, look at how, how are we spending time with God. Uh, I'm sure God's not honoured much if we're coming before him, before his word and in prayer, and we're just distracted, hyper-distracted the whole Absolutely. time. We're going, we have to do things 
You might have to come up with habits and techniques and practices and rhythms that retrain your brain and your body in order to have this posture towards God. Um, Again, for the sake of being clear, um, there's a lot of talk these days about spiritual disciplines. um, And sometimes you, you may be left with the feeling that if I just do a certain technique right or have a Bible reading program right, that's going to pull the lever and everything's going to happen for me. But we see in Scripture that the transformative element in our spiritual life is actually listening to God's Word, is actually praying and gathering with God's people. God has promised to work in those. So whatever the habit is in the background that enables you to get there, it's not the habit or the technique that changes us, it's the stopping and hearing God's Word. And uh, in thinking about, you know, coming to church, when uh, my children were young, uh, church was non-negotiable in terms of attendance. Mm-hmm. It, that was, uh, it was absolutely, on Sunday mornings we go to church, there, and sometimes on Sunday nights, um, there was no other activity that would, would be um, supersede, would supersede our attendance at church. Mm. And we had that family culture. So the children never asked, and even when they were teenagers, they never asked to do something on a Sunday when church was on. And I think that's the habit. But when you come here, it's about being involved. It's about sharing each other's lives. It's about building community. Uh, and that community is... Um, what uh, for, sustains us in some ways, um, mm. and and it's encur- it's like I said before, it spurs us on, uh, as the Bible talks about. And I think for the people who in our church families who are on their own, who are, are lonely, uh, this is a place that they can come and be surrounded by love and care, and we can show God's love to each other. Mm. Uh, and it is just a place where. Um, we can show love for each other and the community then sees that love. The Bible talks about that Mm. as well. Well, let's finish on um, just reflecting on the irony that we have at the moment, that we can't gather again. Yeah. Um, We're kind of pseudo-gathering, but and it's pseudo-church because we recognise that many of us are watching online and even watching online together in the moment. Uh, Yet there's so many things that happen at church that God is going to work through that aren't happening when we live stream. So we don't, we don't get the encouragement as much as what you were just talking about. You don't bump into people uh, where you can pray for them on the spot and share God's word and we can sing collectively yeah. and praise. There's something powerful and at the very least we've got the contrast, don't we? This live streaming era gives us the contrast of what we've, we're missing out on. There's something powerful about gathering together The Bible affirms that when we gather together, it will keep us persevering in seeing that God's great day is coming. So Hebrews 10 talks about that. We gather together, we actually make a statement to ourselves, our own hearts, to one another, to the community that we believe that God is the most beautiful thing, that God is the one we seek and God is the one on the throne that we worship. And not only do we make that statement to ourselves, one another, the community, the Bible even talks about a cosmic statement that is made to the heavens, the heavenlies, all powers. That's strange. We come to church and we do our thing, 
with all its wobbles, and it's making a profound statement that God is on the throne, that yeah. angels watch on. Absolutely. And I think that that is part of the whole spiritual world that we don't necessarily see or understand, um, but we just hold on to the promises of God, and he says that this is what it's about, and, mm. and we hold on to that. Yeah. Mm. Well, let me leave us all with the challenge this week, again, particularly in light of the lockdown where we can, we're forced into just slowing down and reviewing what life has been like. And you might, even, you might even be able to look at how last time you locked down, you had the review, but then life just bumped back to normal. We've been jolted again. How can you set up your life so that you are cultivating day in, day out, your heart to be Godward, like David, to want to be in God's presence, um, to hear his voice, to commune with him in prayer, to be gathered amongst the redeemed people that God is using to shout his praises and glory to everything on earth. Let me pray for us in that as we finish up before we sing. Heavenly Father, you are on the throne. You are on the throne ruling the entire universe. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, who through his death on the cross, not only atoned for our sins, but demolished all the powers and strongholds that can exist upon your people. We recognise now and we're so thankful that even as we recognise this, that it is your spirit who has opened up our hearts to face you, to desire you, to seek you. And our prayer, Lord, is that we would be in your presence. Even now, may we hear your voice. May we want to hear your voice even more. Create and cultivate in us a desire to hear your voice, to talk to you in prayer more and more to gather amongst your people where your spirit is, to be standing ready to receive the grace that you pour out through church. Help us in this, Lord. Uh, create that desire uh, even this week. Help us to think about the practices and the habits and all the different things around our life so that we can order and structure a regular rhythm where we are before you. This we seek and this one thing we pray for, Lord. Amen.